And now, more tips with your host, Rebecca, on lifestyle improvement. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you for tuning in to Lifestyle Improvement today for part two of our interview with Dr. Martha Herbert. Dr. Herbert is an assistant professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School and a pediatric neurologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, where she is the director of the Transcend Research Program. She also received the first Cure Autism Now Innovator Award and is the co-author of the book, The Autism Revolution, Whole Body Strategies for Making Life All It Can Be. I have this slide about a paper uh, about diabetes. And, the, and it was an editorial or commentary in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is very prestigious. And the title was very clever. It said, what's preventing us from preventing type 2 diabetes? So they talked about a study where they compared the very, very common diabetes drug metformin with diet and exercise changes to see for people who were pre-diabetic, how many of them would not convert into diabetes if they were on either metformin compared or, or lifestyle intervention? So they found that while metformin prevented 31% of conversions into diabetes, diet and exercise prevented 58%. And that's really big. And then the article went on to say, but why don't we do this? And it's because the whole funding structure doesn't fund life coaches, lifestyle coaches. And that we really need to have that kind of level of support because you don't need a doctor to teach people how to eat right and do more exercise. But I have to tell you one more piece of this story. I gave a lecture down in Texas and I, I gave Grand Rounds and I gave this story. And this woman during the question period stood up and she said, you know, she said I was, she said she was a, an investigator in that study. And she said, you know, the dietary intervention was pretty weak. A lot of people didn't do it. And various people dropped out. And we still got 58%. Imagine if it had been a really good diet with everybody doing it. That is really powerful information to definitely think about and keep in mind, especially when you go to the grocery store and uh, make choices. Like you said, we do have those choices. By the way, my book is not a technical book. It's written for everyday people. Absolutely. And it is very it's easy language, too. And my writer, I didn't co-author it. I authored it and I had a writer, and she's a really good journalist. Uh -huh. So we had, a, we had a balance. She wrote it too simply, I wrote it too complicated, and then we merged it, and it got just right. So basically, I never used the word causing autism. I used the word what contributes to autism because I think it's a question of total load. All of the things that aren't good that pile up and eat away at your resilience. Another slightly fancier way is cumulative impact. You get a little sick here, then you get a little bit more from that, a little bit more from that, and finally it's too much and you keel over. And some people, it's like a barrel, and the barrel gets fuller and fuller and finally it overflows. So the overflowing would be like regressing into autism. Um, and I think that that's really a model of how you get autism. And I have a paper on my website, a systems biology paper by somebody else, and she uses the exact same model for how you get cancer. Hmm. It's a pileup 
of exposures, of inadequate nutritional supports, because when you get a, a chemical or electromagnetic field exposures, your body has to repair the damage. And in order to repair the damage or eliminate the toxins, it needs to have enough nutrients to work the mechanisms in the body that do all that work. And if you don't have the nutritional support, the body poops out. Mm-hmm. So you've got a combination of too much bad stuff and not enough good stuff. And in order to get better, you want to add a whole lot of good stuff and take away a lot of bad stuff. The other thing that you talked about is that you say that there are many dimensions, like you just talked about, is a multi-system approach. Right. And one of them being food. And I actually would like you to give our caregivers and parents just a couple of ideas. You did mention a few things. But just in general, what kind of diet do you think is one that you would think would be most positive or most helpful to maintain a healthy living? So the first thing is to move away from packaged foods to foods that look like how they were grown. So vegetables, fruits, meats, as opposed to prepared stuff that's been pre-cooked and coated with things and so forth. The next thing is to think about nutrient density. So you can have high nutrient density or low nutrient density. There's also in between. But high nutrient density means that for every calorie, which is a unit of energy, you have a whole lot of other nutrients, vitamins minerals, the the different colors called phytonutrients that give flavor and they also do a lot of things for your body. So sugar is low nutrient, refined sugar is low nutrient density because all you get is calories, no carbohydrates, no fats, no vitamins, no minerals, no anything. So that's the extreme low nutrient density. So you want to look for high nutrient density foods and avoid the low nutrient density ones and totally avoid refined sugar. Totally avoid it. Refined sugar is associated with the development of cancer, with diabetes, with Alzheimer's. And high amounts of sugar make a lot of problems worse. They can make behaviors worse in autism. They can also um, mess up your microbe population in your guts, the microbiome, which many, many people suffer from that. Um, so high nu- so high nutrient, whole foods, high nutrient density, avoiding empty calories. And then the next one is rainbow diet. Look for different colors of the rainbow every single day, at least some representation. Purple cabbage, Yellow, yellow peppers or oranges or um, green vegetables, blueberries. You can go through the rainbow. And if you have a child who doesn't like these foods, you can still let the child play with them and help make choices and get to know their names. And over time, they will find them more friendly. This is your host, Rebecca. And now we will take a short break, and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement.
What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshops, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All these could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible, unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com and discover how we can help you help yourself. Caregiversurvival101.com or call 877-957-7387. That again is 877-957-7387. Another thing that's really important, more in some people than others, is if people are sensitive to textures and only want to eat certain kinds of things, like bread or cheese, which are real offenders, zinc is a, is a nutrient that helps the taste buds work better. I do recommend avoiding gluten, the, which is a component of wheat products, because it's an immune trigger. It, in the brain, the, in the gut and the brain, you have these membranes that are tightly, they're tightly locked in between. The gluten breaks the membranes and all kinds of things can leak into the digest, into the blood from the digestive system. You also have a membrane around the brain, the blood-brain barrier, and gluten can make that leaky. Watch it with gluten and watch it with commercial dairy, the dairy that you get in stores. It's just not... It just, it gums up the works. It slows down the healing process. And the problem there, of course, is that many people crave that stuff. So you have to get through almost a cold turkey withdrawal. But really, really think about it. And there's more to say. So, uh, but, but I would, I would, you know, I don't eat grains. I'm on this diet. I don't eat grains at all because the starch is a real problem for me, and I think the starch is a real problem for people with neuroimmune problems. It's actually a diet that's pretty similar to what my dear 
departed Aunt Bessie used to make when I was a kid, and she learned to cook in a village, a rural village in the Ukraine. So I really eat a lot like what I ate when I was a little kid and she was cooking for the family. And what was that? Instead of wheat, you eat what? Well, at that time, we did have wheat. I think the hybridized wheat now is even worse than maybe the pesticides and the glyphosate and things like that. Uh, but we ate, she made pickles, fermented foods. She made her own pickles. We made broths, we chicken soup, other kinds of meats, stews. The broth has a lot of value, connective, you know, minerals from connective substances that make your connective tissue strong, things that help to heal your gut, meat broth, bone broth. There's a diet called the GAPS diet, G-A-P-S. It stands for gut and psychology syndrome. It's very similar to the paleo diet, but a little modified. And it's, it's something that works for a lot of people with neurodevelopmental or immune issues. And it also has stages that you can learn about. There's a nice book about it called Healing the Gut by Boynton and someone else explained it. You're just basically learning how to love food, you know, to love and be fascinated by food and food quality. And another thing that's nice about it is it slows you down a little bit. We run around too much. One of the reasons we eat lousy food is that we think we have other, all these important other things to do. We better just get the food out of the way. And I think you might think about taking a little time to sit quietly with yourself and apologize to your body for taking it for granted. Hmm. Hmm. That's very well said. So alternative for wheat, for some people, it's corn. What other better alternative for wheat? So corn also now, it's very hard to get corn that's not genetically modified. Mm -hmm. And there are problems with that in terms of the digestive tract. Some people like teff or spelt, quinoa. Some people do wheat to, to do rice very well. Some people don't do any grains very well. I mean, I'm one of the people who, when I was younger, had too many oral antibiotics. So I just, I don't think I'll ever be able to eat grain again in my life, mm. which I don't honestly miss it that much. And other people may be able to tolerate it. But if you have a lot of idiosyncratic, quirky things, and you're not keeping up, and you're irritable, and so forth, you might consider being a little bit more rigorous with your diet. You talk a lot about gut bugs in your book, and you yeah. kind of touched upon that. I wonder if you have anything else you want to add on that specific subject? Well, that's a subject that's evolving a lot. One reason is that we can measure much, much more and much better than we used to be able to. And another reason is that our understanding is getting better. But, you know, I am working with a scientist in China, in Shanghai, who's a specialist in the microbe, the gut microbes in the gut. But he's also a microbial ecologist. And he told me when I was visiting there last summer that coral reefs in the ocean are like your guts turned inside out. They have a lot of the biofilm, the organisms. The scary part is that it looks like there won't be any more coral reefs in the next 25 years oh because of the ecosystem, because of the acidity and toxicity in the ocean. And this is a catastrophic thing for our oceans and for ecology. But it makes me think that in a way, our guts are a victim of similar kinds of pressures from our environment, the food and more, the poor water quality that's increasingly common. And that we really, in order to get ourselves healthy, we have to start thinking more about the, what's going on in the planet 
as we make our choices and also as we vote with our feet every time we go shopping. Absolutely. You also talked just now and all through the conversation that we've been having, you've been touching upon toxins and the most obvious ones, of course, vegetables and fruits that you go to the grocery store and buy. But there are toxins in all kinds of other environmental. Oh, yeah. Household products. The pesticides are a real problem. The plasticizers in plastic bottles, the household cleaning products. We have somebody who cleans our house and they ended up switching back to some chemical products and didn't rinse out this mop, and it smelled up the kitchen for a week. It's disgusting. Totally not letting them do that again. There's air pollution. There's living near freeways. That's been associated in a number of studies with a higher risk of autism. There's more aerosolized chemicals. That stuff can cause brain inflammation. And brain inflammation is a feature of autism, of depression, of a whole lot of other neurological things. Electromagnetic exposures, Wi-Fi, radio frequency, these are associated with a lot of the biological or physiological changes that we see in autism. I wrote a big paper about this. You can get it under publications at my marthaherbert.org website. And also there's a two-page summary version, which is much easier to read. But you, if you really want to get the, the details, you can read the the, the longer one from Pathophysiology Journal. People putting cell phones, guys putting cell phones in their pockets, reduce their sperm count and create mutations in their sperm, which can be passed on to their children. Wow. People who sleep with their base station for their portable phones next to their bed are being exposed to a lot of radiation. Leaving your TV on in your room, I mean, even plugged in, is not a good thing. You should unplug all that stuff, not keep it in your bedroom. Don't keep your cell phone by your bed or under your pillow. Using baby monitors next to your baby's head is not a good idea. It, it gives the radiation exposure to the baby. So there are a lot of absolutely free ways of limiting your exposure to that. We have so much more exposure to electro, electromagnetics than people had in ancient times. Absolutely. It's and huge. It is huge. And of course, you can only control yours, but then you have your neighbor and, you know, it is all around us, correct? And then and then what's happening is that these companies are getting school systems to wire, to go Wi-Fi in the schools and more and more kids are having sensitivity problems and people are trying to protest. They're, they're burying power, high tension cables near residential places. You know, I think part of the problem is, you know, that's just an industry that's supporting our economy and mm -hmm. people are hesitant to regulate it. And also we've become kind of addicted to having power whenever and wherever we want it. And a lot of it is for things that really aren't that important. And we're going to have to reevaluate all this because I don't think it's going to be possible to keep this up very much longer. And the communication, I think that's a big piece. It is so easy to communicate now, that easy button again, that does make quite a difference is pretty much every area uh, in our lifestyle, you know, just from business to medical, et cetera, et cetera. So, and kids with special needs who can't talk will use devices to type on. And it's a really beautiful thing exactly. to see them being able to communicate. But, but the industry hasn't been thinking about finding frequencies that are less unhealthy. There are healthier frequencies. And maybe a lot of the things that we value about Wi-Fi communication could be created in healthier and safer way. That would be wonderful. And then uh, we can have the benefit and be able to be protected as well. And that uh, that would be great. Just a question for you as a practitioner. I'm, I'm curious. 
you have this absolutely amazing framework. I wonder how open or how willing your clients are making these changes when they come to you. What kind of uh, responses do you get from the families you work with? So it depends on a number of things. I do, people come to me oftentimes when they've tried a lot of other things. So two things can happen from that. Either they're willing to work harder on the diet or they just gave up on it or on the lifestyle changes. We have a health coach in our clinic who's an amazingly sensitive helper of helping people to figure out which choices should they prioritize and how can they really get it done. I think it's better to have a few things that you actually do well than a long list of things that you can't get around to. Our health coach is way cheaper than the doctor's. I mean, the, the problem of getting health coaching, you can get some of it covered. You have to know what codes to use. And hopefully the, at the higher level, the regulations will be changed and the insurance companies will realize that they save money by letting health coaches and they, they don't have to spend as much on sick people. And then there's also people going to the internet and trying to find out what to do. Right. And now there are all these devices that you can start tracking what you eat, how much you walk, how many stairs you climb, what your poop looks like. I found 10 of poop scales the other day, Bristol stool scales apps. Wow. So you can, t- <laughs> you can take pictures of what you eat. I mean, it's getting pretty amazing. Um, so a lot of, a certain number of people are getting really excited about tracking what they do in relation to how well they feel. Wow, that's a, that's a really good movement. Yeah. In your book, you talk about one specific area that is of interest to me because I, I really feel that is something that my profession can impact. Um, you talk about autism and that you can explain a lot of some of the behavioral issues by over and under excitation of the brain. And, and 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 how that translates to parents and, and how they have to deal with it. And you do give some advice. Would you like to share some of that with us today? Absolutely. So the brain operates on a balance of excitation to make things happen and inhibition to keep things under control. And many of the environmental influences will drive up the excitation. Toxicity does that being depleted of antioxidants will make you more irritable. It's kind of an irritability of the brain where any little thing will trigger you. So again, I mean, there are certain things, additives like glutamate, which is added to a lot of different processed foods. And like monosodium glutamate is an example of that. Some people get really nutty from being exposed to that, and that's not good for anybody. And if you have anybody in your life, including yourself, with a delicate brain or, a, or you know, a tendency to fly off the handle or get irritable or anxious or nervous or not be able to sleep, you should be removing these kinds of food additives from the food. You know, you can't get them out of the processed foods, so you'll have to get away from foods that contain them. Even the, the little innocent thing, natural flavors, can also be a cover for for artificial ingredients that contain excitatory chemicals. There are books on anti-inflammatory diets 
these, there's a woman who's a doctor named Terry Walls, W-A-H-L-S, and she got over her multiple sclerosis, making dietary changes like this. She was in a terrible mess, and she finally decided she was going to feed her mitochondria, and she has a she has a fabulous TED Talk with millions of views. She has a, some books out, and she's done scientific research. She, uh, the people in her academic medical center, she was on the IRB, the, the, the group that gives approval to studies, and they watched her get better. Wow. And they approved her study, even though the methodology wasn't standard. She wasn't testing just one thing. She was saying, let's make every choice a healthy choice. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877 Extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101. Because care starts with you. Lifestyle Improvement Radio is now online. Listen to our interviews at your convenience by going to www.lifestyleimprovementradio.com. If you like what you hear and would like to hear more about a specific subject, send us an email to producer at lifestyleimprovement.com and let us know what you think. Support our sponsors and let them know you heard about them at Lifestyle Improvement. Thank you for tuning in to Lifestyle Improvement today for part two of our interview with Dr. Martha Herbert. Dr. Herbert is an assistant professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School and a pediatric neurologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, where she is the director of the Transcend Research Program. She also received the first Cure Autism Now Innovator Award and is the co-author of the book, The Autism Revolution, Whole Body Strategies for Making Life All It Can Be. And don't forget to join us again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for part three of our interview with Dr. Martha Herbert.